Welcome to the Unapologetic Man Podcast. The only podcast that's all about self-improvement, confidence, success, women, and being a man without making any apologies for it. What is up, you champions? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the UMP. I really do appreciate you. And today, I have a very special guest, Case Kenny from the New Mindset Who Dis podcast. You guys absolutely have to check out that podcast. I got Case here today, and the reason why I contacted him is because Case is like me. He's really into self-development. You can tell the guy has spent tens of thousands of hours working on himself, and he comes up with really practical, realistic strategies to make your life as enjoyable as possible, to bring as much peace and presence, which he calls mindfulness, into your day-to-day living so that you can gain happiness, which of course is what we all want to achieve. Well, when we met today, I always go with my intuition and something was just telling me that a lot of you guys need to hear his philosophy about how to deal with disappointment, how to deal with a gap between what you want and what is, which is what Eckhart Tolle calls the pain gap, how to deal with that and how to get more happiness in the here and now. Because brother, you don't know what's gonna happen. You could get hit by a bus tomorrow for all you know. So why sacrifice the present moment for the future? Why do we always put our happiness in the distance? Why not have it in the here and now? So I really pick his brain. I throw some really difficult questions at him that I just wanted to know his thoughts on and he absolutely crushed it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the interview. What is up, Kay? Super happy to have you on the show, brother. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. So guys, as I said in the introduction, Case Kenny is a massive podcast host, really, really successful. And I listen to his podcast myself because it gives you new mindset, which is obviously the name of his podcast, New Mindset Who Dis. And what I like about Case is he focuses a lot on spirituality, being in the present moment, mindfulness, as he calls it, and how to have philosophies that will get you to the next level, or at the very least, get you to peace. And two, what I like about you, Case, is you don't say you're a guru, as I say that I am, right? A dating guru. You're just a normal guy who's just trying to figure out life and live the best way possible. So what I wanted to talk about today is how we can manage the dissatisfaction of having a life situation that isn't up to where we want it to be. A lot of my guys come to me and they're obviously dissatisfied because they're not able to attract the kind of women that they want. They're not getting the kind of dates they want. And being in a relationship and or experiencing women is extremely important for our mental health. So they think that, well, if I could just get to XYZ state, if I could just get to the future where I am attractive to women, then I'll be fulfilled. And as Eckhart Tolle always says, the gap between the way things are today and the way you want them to be is called the pain gap. And I would want to talk about how do we bridge that pain gap? How can we find peace more in the present moment with our current situation, even if things are not satisfactory as they are now? And so I just want to delve into that. Going to let you have the podium here and and give us your thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think it's such a good question. And again, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for me, we talk about mindfulness and, and all the things that both you and I talk about, even before, you know, we were, we were jamming a little bit on NLP. And like, for me, like my whole, you know, center of the universe when it comes to self-development and bettering my life, it's a definition of mindfulness that is very logic driven. Like, I don't do well with self-help that says like, you are energy and flow and, you know, all good things come to like, I, 
I respect people who are, you know, they're great with that. I, I love people who get value from that. But for me, mindfulness has always been about logical observation of life and coming up with truths that align with compassionate, honest, optimistic views of what you're capable of. So I always lean towards a very logical view of life. And then, you know, it's tempered with some emotion and some belief and some blind optimism, but it's always been very rooted in what I can see, what I can feel, and then what I believe. And that's always been helpful for me. So when it comes to this idea of like where you are versus where you want to be and the, and the gap between the two, the pain gap, the dissatisfaction you feel in the present because you're not at that point where you have the girl, the job, whatever it may be. I think the, the biggest thing for me that I've always realized when I haven't always realized I realized in you know my early 30s was you know this idea of we've programmed ourselves to think that like here we are now we set a goal we have a thing that we want every day between now and then it's just an in-between day it's just in-between bullshit we got to get through it and then I'll be happy then I'll be satisfied then I'll be validated and so on and so forth and I, I think a lot of that's fine right it's like if you want to be a millionaire well yeah the, the time between now and then is just work it's grinding it's bettering yourself fine but what I've realized, you know, I'm in my mid thirties is that the majority of our life are those in between days. Like, I hope everyone gets to the point where they do get the million dollar check, the girl, the thing, the, this, the, that. But ultimately when you look back in time and you're 70, 80, whatever, and you're look back and you do a quick audit of your life, the majority of your days were those in between days. And I think we're fundamentally messed up of trying to skip through those days to get to that point where then everything will be good. I think it will be good. I think we deserve those moments. But if we're thrown away the in-between days, I really do think we've fundamentally messed up. I like to refer to Seinfeld a lot. One of my favorite comedy shows, my sense of humor comes from comedy. Jerry Seinfeld, obviously Seinfeld, Seinfeld. I saw an interview with him, not in Seinfeld character, where he's just talking about raising his kids. And he's going on this, on this diatribe about how he's sick of parents are so pressured to create these over-the-top intricate quality time sessions with their kids. He's like, why do I feel so much pressure that to be a good parent? I have to take my kids to Disney World. To That means that you know I'm creating quality time. He's like, what about the time where we're just sitting on the couch or taking out the trash or going to school in the morning? He calls it garbage time. And he's like, that time is just as valuable, if not more valuable than the going on a road trip, going to Disney World time. It's the same idea with in-between days, garbage time, whatever you want to call it. If, you know, we get into the world of cliche here, but if you're always putting a, uh, you know, your happiness on a finish line, you'll never be happy because we're just going to constantly move the finish line. So long-winded answer of saying we have to figure out a way to be content in the in-between days while we work our tails off for what we want. Absolutely. I'm the most driven, impatient person in the world. I want yeah. more. I like nice things. I have all these goals. But I've just realized that no matter what, you're going to always be moving the finish line and you'll, you'll always have something that you're saying then. Can't wait till I get to that moment. We're, we're fundamentally messed up. So just a, a little bit of logical reconciliation for me to realize that if we were to add up all the days that we've lived and do a quick audit, looking back, connecting the dots, looking back, we'd realize that the majority of those days were in between days. No matter how successful you are, they're, they're going to be those in between days. So we have to find a way to at least appreciate them in some sense. So that would be my initial pass at that, at that question. So I can see a guy listening to that and saying, okay, great, right? Like I'm not getting girls right now, not getting success, got a shitty job, right? Barely get paid any money. Things aren't good. Mm. So my happiness comes in the fact that if I keep slogging, if I keep working, then things are going to get better. And he wants to know, well, what can I do now to make this more enjoyable? 
Because we do understand from the teachings that both you and I like to not only teach, but listen to is when you make the present moment a means to an end, that's a recipe for suffering. When the present moment just becomes Mm -hmm. a, let me get through this so I can get to the next moment. Then as you said, Case, the next moment becomes the same thing because uh, the future is usually a replica of the past. So he is getting rejected by girls. He is not making much money. And where do we find bliss in that, right? Where do we find the happiness in that shittiness? I mean, yeah, great counter. Well, I think for one is where are our goals coming from? I think that's the biggest thing. It's like uh, 90% of our life's discontent is going to come from comparison of some kind. Like I really am convinced of that. Like comparison is the thief of joy for a reason. There's a reason that we say that. I think about my life. When I moved to Chicago, I, I moved to Chicago in 2011. I made 30 grand a year starting off there. And I made that for a while. I stuck up that job for a while. 30 grand a year is, I don't know where the poverty line is, but it's like not that far off from that. And, you know, obviously I had the the, the security of, of parents and I knew that if you know, something bad happened, I, I would have someone to support me. But like, I think about my happiness when I was making 30 grand a year versus now. I, I hate to be that cliche guy saying I was happier then, but like I was just as happy then versus now. And I've, you know, been able to elevate myself past that. But like this idea of discontent in the present given lack of something like we're likely comparing ourselves to someone and where is that goal coming from in the first place i wrote an entire book about you know reinventing ourselves and chapter one was like the the whole breaking down the idea of mimetic desire this, this whole thing that there's been many books on rene girard a philosopher and scholar talking about the the fact that very little in life that we've decided for ourselves was purely decided for ourselves. Like we were mimetic. We were copying in some sense someone else's goal, someone else's validation. And I think that's fine. Again, I think it's great to be inspired by other people. I'm not a hater. I'm not a social media has ruined everything. I'm not that guy. If you see some baller and you like his Lambo, go and get a Lambo for yourself. But we, at some point we have to say, these are my goals and these are the ones I've borrowed and these are the ones I'm going to stick with. Otherwise, we're just going to constantly be chasing our tail to the point where we're we're establishing validation here, there, and the other. And then I also think there's something to be said about like, you could be at a point in your life where you're not making money, you're not in good shape, and you don't have a girl. And it's just like an avalanche of inadequacy for yourself, right? I think we also have to realize that like, you can have it all in life. That the timing of those things, and again, here's the kind of belief part of my worldview the timing of those things might not be all at once. I really do think we need to wrap our heads around that. Like, You don't need to have the perfect body, the perfect girl, the perfect car, and the perfect job all at the same time to be happy. The way that I've realized life happens is you absolutely can and deserve those things given your work, but you might have them at staggered points. And that that doesn't make your life any less. You could have the perfect confidence and body today and then the girl tomorrow, and then maybe your your health and your fitness waves up and down, and then the check, and then the house, and then you go back to being single and back and forth. And that is the ebb and flow in life. You can have everything, just maybe not all at once. I think we really get in our heads about that, thinking that happy life comes from a pile of good things, whereas I think the more accurate reality would be you're just picking them up along the way, you're resorting them, you're moving things around as you pick them up, as you work for them, and as you deserve them. So I think you take that you combine it with breaking down mindfully of the goals you have or don't have, the ones you've borrowed, the ones that you're kind of copying and pasting. I think there's a real opportunity to free yourself of this draining mimetic comparison that we tend to do. So I, I would say that. When we first got on together, I asked you if you knew too much about NLP and you're like, well, I know of it, but I don't know a lot about <laughs> it, which is interesting because you've actually said a few things that are NLP based. 
One of them is programming, right? And taking on the belief systems of our parents, our siblings, our coaches, our mentors, whoever, or society as a whole to want shit that we don't even want, right? Do you really want that Lambo? Do you really want that hot girl on your arm? Like how important is it? And whose belief is it? I know for me, Case, my buddy growing up, he had a huge influence on me, super strong frame and very ensconced in his own reality. He had me convinced that having the super hot girlfriend was success. That's what success looks like, Mark. And I was like, all right, that's what success looks like. And I went after that thinking that that would make me happy. And as soon as I got those girls, I was like, well, wait a second. What about connecting with these girls? What about somebody who's just a good fucking person deep inside who they are? And I had to reevaluate, well, wait a minute. Why did I act out this desire? Was it my desire or somebody else's? And so many guys listening right now, they're acting out desires that aren't even theirs. When you're from three years old to 11 years old, you're in a post-hypnotic trance. And what happens is we take on the belief systems, metaprograms, and archetypes of our family members to get into rapport with them. And this is what NLP is based on. NLP is remapping that stuff that isn't conducive to your happiness. So when you get into situations where you're like, well, I got to get lots of girls. Why? Who's telling you that? Now, obviously, as a dating coach, right, I want to help you to be able to have that ability if that's what you really want. Now, obviously, every guy wants to meet a girl that he connects with, which is the ultimate purpose. But you got to ask yourself, you got to question your beliefs. Like, why do I believe this? Why do I want this? And if me being so unbelievably miserable because I'm not achieving this thing is creating that misery, is that shit worth it? If it's not, then drop it. Well, how do you drop it? Obviously, I'm an NLP coach. That's how you drop it. But also, how do you drop a useless sense of bag of potatoes that you're carrying? Decide to mm-hmm. drop it. Decide to drop yeah. it. So I love your analogy or your your talk about how you can have the perfect body when you're like 22. You can become a millionaire when you're 46. It doesn't have to all happen at once. And I think that points to how time is an illusion and life is actually like mm-hmm. a mountainside that's all connected together. So my next question would be, Where does, and I'm going to slightly change topics because I think this is important. I want to hear your viewpoint on it. Where does gratitude for what you have now play into this, right? So I'm dissatisfied because I'm not the millionaire. I don't have the girl. I don't have XYZ thing. Yet you do have a lot. You have a shit ton. You're you're probably on a phone right now listening to this. So where does gratitude play into this about what you do have? Yeah, I mean, gratitude is one of those subjects where it's so easy to be patronizing with it. It's like well, you you have your health. You've got a couple people who care about you. Like it's very easy yeah, to get into yeah. the into that land. So I, I try to stay away from that. I think like in the moment, my best answer would be surfing off of what you were just talking about, which I love, by the way. And and it's cool how we like we approach the same thing from from different angles. Yours yeah. from the the NLP angle, me from just the this makes sense. Here's the the logical observation of life. Yeah, I, you know the idea of. Being grateful in the moment while you have these things that maybe you have been conditioned to want, maybe you genuinely want them, who knows, somewhere in between. It's like I have found that we are so conditioned to always think that the key to happiness, fulfillment is more or better, you know, 10x, more, better, this, that. And certainly, yes, there are elements of life where that will probably always be the answer. But I have found that the key to life isn't always more or better. A lot of the time it's different or simpler. So on a different front, we're talking about what you just referenced there, letting go of that bag of potatoes. We're just doing different and we're, we're doing it because we've decided that, right? And we're just making the, the choice to do it. On the simpler front though, here's where I think we can get into the land of gratitude. Certainly like 
I think a, a big key of life is just letting go of who you're not and letting go of the things that you've been carrying along with you that you don't need and you you know should lo- no longer pursue. And once you're able to do that, that is where the gratitude comes into view because you realize what you do have. So I think a, a big part of an exercise of like, you know, gratitude certainly is finding these things that you could simplify in your life. Uh, and, and I think a lot comes from that. And I think, you know, t- talking about, uh, you know, relationships, because I, I know it's a, a big focus of yours. I spent many, many years trying to come up with like, what is the purpose of a relationship? And I always come back to the fact that the purpose of a relationship is to amplify the happiness that you already have. But if we're always trying to validate our life by saying, oh, you know, this person will create this happiness for me. And that's the stereotypical way to say it. Like we're always going to be misguided in that. We have to build it for ourselves and then have someone come along, amplify it. I did an episode not too long ago where I was talking about just the, the different words we use. Whereas a lot of people are looking for a partner to build life with. Whereas a lot of healthy, compassionate, secure people are simply looking for someone to do life with. The difference between build life and do life with. On the build life front, we're putting so much pressure on ourselves in the relationship to be the thing that offers us finally fulfillment and happiness. On the do life front, we're simply looking for someone who comes along and amplifies all the work and fulfillment that we have for ourselves. And we're just doing it together. So I think you know somewhere in there is, is the element of gratitude. But I really do think the words we use are, are really important. Bigger, better, more, different, simpler, build versus do. So I'll, I think our inner dialogue does come into play a lot here, certainly. Do you think that if you're not happy with your present situation, no matter what changes, what's the common denominator? It's you, right? And, and your perspective on current situation is going to be applied to your future situation. So you're successful. I mean, I was looking at your podcast. That's unbelievable, man. 5.5. How did you pull that off on iTunes? I'll tell you what, that, that's really hard to do with just millions and millions of downloads, mm. tens of millions. I have millions. You have tens of millions. And obviously, you know, you have a, an amazing relationship. You're ultra successful. You were just on, I think it was NBC. What, what show was that that you were just recently on? Uh, the Today, Today show? show? Yeah, Today mm. Show. All the success, right? And for all intents and purposes, that situation, somebody looking at it from an outside perspective would be like, okay, this guy's mad happy, which is what his hat actually says on it, guys. It says mad happy. But was it the situation that made you happy or is it the mindset that made you happy? I mean, the answer is the mindset, certainly, um, mm. which, I, I, you know, again, is stereotypical. But for me, like, I've just fallen in love with the process. Like, I, I absolutely have. Like, this is what I love to do. And I grow every day from it. Like, if I didn't have the incentive to do the podcast for myself, I would yeah. 100% get burned out. Like you can't totally. do 500 episodes without wanting. It helps me every single day. And that's what keeps me going. And then obviously the big cherry on top is the fact that it helps other people. But it's always been for me. It's always, yep. always, always, that's always been my why. And I had a whole career before this that I left to, to get into this. So there are some big stepping stones along the way that I had to step away from. But yeah, it's, it's always been the mindset of, you know, building for myself growing myself, finding my definition of these things for myself, and then sharing it with other people. I never thought I'd make a career from this, certainly at all. I never had yeah. any aspiration to at all. That's why like, I'm, you know, joke about the coach and guru thing. It's like, I'm not against those terms in any sense, but just for me, I just like, I fell into this and I just continued to pull on that thread of interest. And it's been really interesting. Yeah. I always tell my guys that, right? I'm like, you have to enjoy going to approach women, being on the dating apps, going on dates with women and exploring the skill set. I got addicted to it. I was addicted to it for 
20 years before I settled down with my current woman just because it's so fun. So mm. when people ask me, well, how do I find my purpose? I always tell them, what would you do if you had no chance of failure? And what would you do for free? Right. And in the case of both you and I case, we get to help people, which is amazing. That's always an added benefit. But what would you do if you had no chance of failure? Do that and do it with passion, do it with purpose. And if there's something about it you don't enjoy, don't do it because brother, I would be doing this podcast even if I had no listeners because I love self-development. It's literally all I think about. I drive down the road just thinking about (laughs) self-development, how to get to the next step because that's what's wired within us. I think both you and I and a lot of our listeners, right? So when we have a guy who's kind of slogging it out in a job that he doesn't like or he's just basically living a life that's rudimentary, unsatisfactory to him. What can we tell him to move out of that? Do we just tell him, hey, bro, follow your passions, go for it. And he's like, yeah, but I got to pay the bills. Do we just say, hey, just do whatever it is, even if you had uh, no money with it. He's like, but I got to eat, right? I can't just live on top ramen. Yeah. So how do we reconcile just getting the freaking bills paid with living a life of passion? Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot about that because I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of the self-development space and, you know, there's people that are like, they're, they all talk about, do your passion, do your purpose. And then you've got to go all in. If you're not all in, you're all out. I think there's a huge element of practicality when it comes to figuring out what you want to do in life. Namely, work your job, pay your bills, be pragmatic. And then on the side, call it a side hustle, a side passion, whatever, start building, give yourself leverage. Like I worked a sales job. I led a sales team in Chicago for a technology company. I did it for eight years three of which I did the podcast at the same time on. I was building up my equity yeah. in my business, the revenue, the consistency of the business while working that job. And then eventually I quit because I had the leverage. I think everyone can apply that, of course. you know, I think we could all find an hour a day to do something on the side so that you have the financial security. I've always disagreed with people who are saying, oh, if you're not all in on your business, you're all out. I just think in this day and age, that's just not accurate. Give yourself leverage. Give yourself financial leverage. Give yourself some confident leverage and do that and then move to the next thing. Um, I also think I just released an episode today. I think like the biggest thing that prevents us from moving out of jobs or relationships or, you know, just states of mind where we're not doing what's true to us is, of course, is fear of rejection and embarrassment. But like I did an episode this morning on being cringe in life. You know, whether we use that word or not, we are so averse to these labels that we're afraid other people will give us. And the quote that I referenced in the episode, which I think you'll appreciate, I think it is attributed to Casey Neistat, although I was a little unsure. Basically, the quote is, don't kill the part of you that is cringe, kill the part of you that cringes. And I love that so much because it's very easy in life, especially when it comes to like what we do. Like when I quit my sales job to share my feelings on the internet, (laughs) it was the cringiest thing in the world. And I had to very quickly get over that. But that's the cliche definition of cringe. But I think for some reason, we assume any time that we step into something as a beginner or starting over in our 30s or doing something sensitive or vulnerable or different, that it's cringe or that it's to this or to that. Like we're very quick with these labels. And I think our our knee jerk reaction is to then say that, you know, that label defines me or I'm going to work around that. So I don't deserve that label where I think that the best path, of course, is just remove the part of you that cringes at that, that borrows the same definition as other people. So you know, take that for what it's worth. But I think a lot of our ability to leave a job or find a better job or relationship, whatever it is, is removing that trigger from ourselves 
that back to the NLP conversation likely isn't our trigger in the first place. We borrowed that trigger from other people. Yeah. The people who say we're cringe are the same people who never have the confidence to try something cringy. They're right. the same people who never have the confidence to leave their job, start a new relationship, whatever it is. So we're doing a lot of borrowing here that is unfair to ourselves. So I would, I would say that. I would say the people in the cheap seats who are throwing hatred down at us who are in the, in the stadium, right? They don't have a right to say anything because we're the ones on the battlefield. It was a quote from yeah. Roosevelt, I think it was, with the man in the arena. So I also talk a lot about fear anxiety, stress. And you and I were talking about mindfulness being in the present moment. I don't know if you you saw it, but I just did an episode about how when you have stress going on within you, you can usually feel it in your energy field. And one of the best ways to stay in the present moment is to simply focus on that negative energy because it's a it's an anchor into the present moment. So a lot of people have fear. They say, yeah, okay, this this is all great. I'll do a side hustle. But as you just talked about, what if people cringe at me? What if people judge me? And they have a lot of fear that prevents them from moving forward. How do we reconcile that fear? How do we deal with it when we're going into unexplored, unmapped territories that make us very scared, that make us have anxiety? Unknown uncertainty is scary for people. So they might stay in a shitty job or with a girl they don't like because it's yeah. certain. Whereas you have to plant your flag and go into uncertainty with a full masculine heart, but oftentimes fear is there. And so how did you, having your $30,000 per year sales job, right? That was cushy in Chicago, gave that shit all up to, as you yeah. said, share your feelings on the internet. How'd you face that fear? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, it's easy to talk about fear and be like, you feel the fear and, and do it anyway and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, think about the result and, you know, realize that a moment of, of fear is, is worth the, you know, there's many different ways to slice and dice fear. I think the biggest thing that helped motivate me through fear was just changing what my goal is in life. I think one of the best contrasts to fear is to, to general fear or fear of rejection or your fear of failure is fear of regret. Like, my biggest motivator in life is I don't want to look back and regret things because regret terrifies me. Think about what regret is. Regret is looking back on a linear point of time and saying, I can't change that because it's already past me. I hate that. It terrifies me. So, you know, a lot of people say, I say, hey, what's your goal in life? I talk to people and they say, I just want to be happy. I just want to be successful or I'm trying to be more confident. Goals like that. I say, those are great goals. I think the better goal that will handle everything that we're referencing here, fear, you know, regret is to say, I want to be proud of myself. I think pride and not the ego is your enemy, Ryan Holiday pride. I'm talking about healthy pride, pride that says I had an idea. I acted on it. I wanted to talk to her. I talked to her. I wanted to shoot my shot. I shot my shot. That kind of healthy pride. I want to be proud of myself can change everything because then, you know, fear that becomes the potential for regret. And if you're going to be proud of yourself, you're going to take action. I really do think if you make your goal for a year, I want to be proud of myself. It's going to change a lot of things. For one, pride in yourself is how you build self-esteem, right? Doing the little things, saying, oh, the dishes are dirty. I should do the dishes. I did the dishes. Proud of myself. Little things to the bigger things of, in this instance, if I didn't raise my hand in this meeting, if I didn't shoot my shot with that woman, would I be proud of myself? No, because I would regret that I didn't have the cojones to try. So I think that as a motivator is really, really powerful. And I think oftentimes is more powerful and more consistent and more simple than, you know, trying to come up with a scenario of, you know, worst case, best case, fear this, failure this. Like, I think you just, you just approach everything radically through the lens of, I, I want to be proud of myself. And I just want, but I have to be proud of myself because the opposite of that would be regret. And I do not accept regret in my life. 
So somewhere in the mix of that, I think, is a good way to face fear by just changing your definition for yourself to a simple one of I have to be proud of myself and then see how your actions follow. And I think it'll really start to minimize that regret and you know fear of failure or whatever the tangible feeling is that you're trying to avoid. Love it. I always tell my guys, be more afraid of the regret you have from not approaching her than the fear of rejection. So you're, you're more great. afraid of... Perfect. I don't know about you, Case, but I had an epiphany when I was horribly rejected, cheated on by my first love, wondering what it was that I did wrong. I had this huge epiphany where I was like, if I don't get this figured out, I'm going to get to my deathbed and look back and just like shake my head in pure disappointment, being like, oh, what were you doing? You had the ability to figure this out and you pass it up out of fear? Come on. Fear is false evidence appearing real. We are bigger than our fears if we just step up, yes, right? And be yeah. more fearful of that regret. So Case, y- your time here has been super appreciated. I know you're a busy man and we agreed on about 25 minutes and we've hit that now. So I want to ask you to tell the boys where they can find you. I feel like, guys, you really need to listen to his podcast, go get his books, listen to his content. So please share that with us. I appreciate that, man. Thanks for having, having yeah. me on. Yeah, this is a, this is a really cool cool chat. And I like how we can move at a fast pace too. Sometimes I talk to people and it's just like, so I like your, I like how you talk. (laughs) Tell me about (laughs) it, bro. I'm the same way. Yeah. (laughs) It's a picture, a page for my own book. Uh, Yeah. It's just case.kenny on, uh, on social and the podcast, new mindset, who dis, and then uh, new mindset, who dis.com. If you're interested in journals or some of my books that kind of break down what, what I just, what I just talked about, but I appreciate you. What's up with that podcast name? New mindset. Who uh, what the it, fuck? The first time I saw that, I was like, what? How does this guy get so many downloads with that name? <laughs> it was basically, I mean, my friends and I used to always mess with each other. Like when we would text each other, just being stupid, we'd be like, who is this? Like new phone, who dis? Like the, the silly thing. And then, and then it became a thing of your mindset can change you so much so that you could look yourself in the mirror like, who is this guy in a gotcha. good way? So it, then it became this thing about reinvention and, you know, a new mindset. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? A new yeah. mindset. Yeah. Or who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Something yeah. something along those lines. <laughs> no, that's actually, I was looking at it and I was like, okay, so why would he name it that? And what, where did it come from? And that's actually what I determined. I was like, new mindset, yeah. who, who did? Oh, I gotcha. And then it like occurred to me. So, hey, listen, yeah. podcast names are oftentimes a big part of it. Like I asked you in the beginning, I was like, how'd you get so successful, bro? You're like, a lot of it was luck. I'm going to be honest with you. And delivering good content, which is why I feel like my podcast is so successful. But yeah. when I first came up with the Unapologetic Man podcast, I was like, ah, it's, it's not a great title because it's hard to spell. It may not be easily memorable, but it was successful, which is partially luck, right? So titles, yeah. man, they, they make a difference. Yeah, it goes a long way. Yeah, kudos yeah. to you. I, I love the title. It, it's, it's, it explains who it's for and what it offers. So yeah, I think a, a title it. like that it hits all the points. Yeah, brother. Well, I appreciate you coming, man. It was an awesome conversation. Guys, I cannot suggest his podcast enough. Once again, new mindset, who dis, question mark. So don't forget that when you search it. It's on iTunes, Spotify, all the places where you can find your favorite podcast. Check it out. Leave him a review. Case, super appreciate you coming on, brother. You are an absolute champion. What I always say to my podcast guests is smack yourself on the ass. You are a goddamn champion. And you too are. (laughs) So thanks for coming, brother. Thank you, man.